Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of the show. JT here on Raider Nation Radio. Hope you're doing well. The verdict is in in the Chauvin case. We will get you that verdict coming up and see if it has an effect. It's a big story. It's the biggest story in the country right now. Uh, that is the breaking news. But what will that a verdict have an effect on the world of sports tonight? As a lot of NBA fans have suggested that this verdict will have a lot to do with the schedule tonight. So we'll keep an eye on that news when it comes down. It could come down here as soon as 25 or 30 minutes. We're concentrating on the Raider draft. Russell Baxter will join us, NFL Insider, coming up. Earlier today, I went online as a PSL holder, and I bought two tickets to the kickoff classic between BYU and Arizona. That is coming up. If you are a college football fan or a football fan in town here, and you're a PSL holder to the Raiders, you had first opportunity to go in and buy tickets earlier today, and that portal is still open, and I guess it's going to be open to the general public coming up here. So I was able to get in on the kickoff classic today. If you're a PSL holder, check your email, and you'll be able to get tickets to that. That game between BYU and Arizona is Saturday, September 4th at Allegiant Stadium. So now we're starting to see the events roll out. The kickoff classic, hopefully Garth Brooks. Before that, everything that's happening here as we're waiting for better and better news about what's going to happen here in Las Vegas. Saw a great Golden Knights commercial last night during the broadcast that the Fortress is open. I'm assuming that there's going to be some positive news in regards to the capacity going up. And hopefully we'll get that news when they release it because we want to see we want to see some excitement back in the Fortress. I had a buddy who went to the game last night said it was incredible to be a part of history to see exactly what happened but you know it wasn't sold out it didn't have the energy that a typical Knights game would have as they had an incredible comeback and they were able to win again so I'm excited we got a lot going on in this town with UNLV Athletics Kevin Kruger the new coach Marcus Arroyo trying to launch a new era of UNLV football we have the Raiders getting ready for the draft a week from Thursday and the Golden Knights, I think the best team in the NHL and playing that way, really peaking for a playoff run where it's the Stanley Cup or bust. That's where we're at this year. It's got to be the Stanley Cup. It can't be a birth in the Stanley Cup. It can't be the Western Conference playoffs. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on this team. And fortunately, they have an advantage with two great goaltenders and Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard, who got the win last night in the shootout. They got everything they need. They got everything they need. When you look at that defense, that offense with Stone and Pacioretty and Carlson, Petrangelo on defense with Theodore, the two goaltenders, all the depth that they have, the tough guy in Ryan Reeves, I don't see a weakness with this team. All they have to do is find a way to execute, and this team has got some great, great, great moments in front of them. They just got to take advantage of it. No excuse. Let's see what the Golden Knights can do. So there's more news here. The draft festivities in Cleveland have been announced, which I think is great news for Vegas. As I said the other day, everybody here in Vegas should be pulling for Cleveland. If Cleveland pulls this off, 
then it's going to build momentum for everybody here in Vegas. So when we have it, we're going to be thrilled to host it. So I can't wait. Uh, this hour brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence, a Remy Martin cocktail. When I talk X's and O's, Remy Martin, raise your cocktail game with all the choices that they have. Remy 1738 or a VSOP or Remy Tercet, which I absolutely love. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. My friend Bruce Cusick was able to announce last night as the public address announcer for the Vegas Golden Knights, a milestone, one of the most important nights in the history of the NHL. Here's how it sounded. Let's listen in. 768th NHL regular season game, surpassing Hockey Hall of Famer Gordy Howe and is now the NHL's all-time leader in games played. Marlowe skates out from the bench, raises his stick. Everybody in the building on his and her feet. An amazing moment on Golden Knights Radio. Bruce Cusick joins us, the PA announcer for your Vegas Golden Knights. Bruce, I'm going to start off by congratulating you and your industry. That is a hell of an announcement, a big moment for you. How are you? Hey, JT, how are you? Yeah, I'm, awesome. uh, I'm still, uh, still kind of taking that historical moment in. Well, you're a hockey guy, and even before you came to Vegas, you understand the history of the sport and Gordie Howe, and just incredible with the pandemic and lockouts in the past. If you look at the math of games being postponed, that it would fall in Vegas at the Fortress for most games ever played. Talk about threading a needle, and you're the voice inside the arena. That is a tremendous moment for you. An unbelievable honor, for sure. I... uh... You know, just uh, chills wherever we're, I can tell you that. It was I thought, uh, something to behold. Yeah, it was. And, and, Bruce, did you sense this? I know you pre- prepared for it, and you're really organized and, and when you work these games. But when you knew that Marlowe was going to break the record in Vegas, when you started thinking about it, especially with the Golden Knights on this incredible run that they've been on, did you feel it when you were coming into the building knowing it was a special night? Uh, actually, uh, I, yes, I, I started, you know, when they were in uh, Minnesota uh, over the weekend and they recognized him, you know, for tying the record. And, and uh, I just started thinking about what that moment will be like once they're here in Las Vegas. And uh, what a, you know, first of all, so proud of our fans and our players and and how they wrapped themselves up in that moment that was uh you know will we ever see that again in any sport no no that's why it was such a special event as you know i do a show at night on sirius xm and i was watching it and then my producer turned around the sound and it was you and i said to my producer i said hey he's a friend of mine i go cut that sound and make sure i knew bobby who you know well would roll on it here and we'd be able to have it and then I uh, texted you to come on today because I just knew that that was a great moment. Talk about the momentum in that game last night as the Sharks get out to the early lead. You think it's the night of Marlowe, and all of a sudden VGK comes storming back like we're accustomed to. Yeah, you know, recently the way they've been playing and the way they've been coming back, um, there, there's been times, you know, in our recent seasons that, Whoa, we're down two, two, nothing, and it, you know you just don't feel it. 
Well, lately you feel it. You just mm-hmm. you always feel it that they're going to come back. And um, what more could you want in a game like that? You you uh, you recognize history, and then we go to overtime. We tie it up and we go into overtime, and then we go into a shootout and we win it in the shootout. I mean, what a night! Like, and and you know, I wish so bad that that building, the fortress, could have been full to capture that historical moment. And then the rest of that game was just so incredible. It was, um, you know, everyone was just exhausted by the end of the night. Bruce Cusick is our guest. He's the public address announcer for your Vegas Golden Knights. That overtime was amazing. Stone had a breakaway. Stone had another point-blank look. Leonard made some big saves. And then we get to the shootout, and Patrick Marlowe goes first. And I'm saying if there's ever a night where this guy's going to score in a shootout, it's going to be that. And Leonard Leonard stops all three, and Tuck gets the game winner. That was incredible there. And it just goes to show you the strength that this hockey team has with two elite goaltenders. And it really showed last night in the shootout how big Leonard is and how much of the net he takes up as San Jose couldn't guess right. Yeah, you know, when they had a couple of scuffles there behind the net and, and I said the, the game day producer, I said, uh, you know, I'm not sure if Burns wants to challenge uh, Leonard on anything right now, you know. Um, Leonard's a big guy and, and he was incredible last night. And, you know, when the shootout started, I thought, okay, is this, like, is this is this going to be written for a movie? I introduced Marlo, you know, as the first shooter, and is he going to go down and score? And, uh, boy, Leonard came through. Hey, Bruce, finally, I thought the key to last night, the game was incredible. Marlowe broke the record. But after the game, and you've been there and you've been doing this a while, to see the Golden Knights stay on the ice and all individually shake the hands of Marlowe and then tap their sticks on the ice and Marlowe came out, and the crowd that stayed understood how big that was. That was a tremendous moment in the history of T-Mobile Arena. Now, it started off with what happened 1 October and such a unique night to open up a venue for hockey with the team and Derek England's speech and then all the great games and the Stanley Cup final being hosted there. But last night, for those season ticket holders or those who were able to get tickets and get inside that building. That'll be a night that no one ever forgets in NHL history. No, indeed. Uh, Everyone there last night, and and like I say, I wish so much that the Fortress could have been full because of Mm -hmm. just uh, the historic event that everyone, you know, witnessed last night was just, it was so fun and, you know, it just, you know, gave you goosebumps. (laughs) You know, I, I was like, I was so incredibly proud and honored to be taking part in that, and um, and it's like I say, it's it's something that uh, we'll most likely never see again. No doubt about it. It was that and special. And he keeps of a going, moment. JT. He keeps going. You know, <laughs> tomorrow night is going to be you know an ongoing record with him. It's it's incredible. Yeah, he wore six jerseys last night and double-digit sticks for the Hall of Fame in his collection. Afterwards, I watched the press conference. And, you know, on another note, too, I saw the coverage, and I tweeted it out, of the Vegas Golden Knights TV. The local television coverage blew away the NHL network, who cut away from it. And Vegas on AT&T, they played it. And I, I couldn't stop looking at it. I hit 
I hit record on my DVR and went back after my show to watch it again. And it was great. Hey, Bruce, thanks for joining us. It was a special night for you. I, I hope you got everything and all the audio from it and you could save it for posterity. Congratulations on being in the building with your job and the great job that you do. Absolutely. Thank you so much, JT. Thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll uh, see you soon, I hope. Yeah, you'll see me. I'll be out at the Fortress. If it's a weekend game, you'll catch me down the stretch. Thanks, Bruce, the PA announcer. So when you go to into, into a Golden Knight game and hear scoring and the, and the noise as he cuts through the crowd noise and gives you the updates in a game, especially after a goal, Bruce is one of the best in the business, and I'm happy for him last night. If you're the announcer, if you're the PA announcer the night that a record is broken that will never, ever, 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 ever be broken again, that's pretty tremendous. So, again, we try to give the Golden Knights a good vibe on this station for obvious reasons because there's no one else talking Golden Knights in this town like I do. We'd like to hear from the Golden Knight fans who want to get in on this. 702-365-9200 as we continue. Also, Russell Baxter, the football guru, and Mike Renner is going to join us coming up. A seventh caller to 702-365-9200 qualifies for our Vegas Golden Knight jersey giveaway where we'll also be giving away a pair of tickets to the winner at the end of this contest 702-365-9200 as that was brought to you by the henderson hyundai superstore boulder highway in henderson stress-free buying baby buy a new car it's as easy as buying an iphone you can just go online and buy it over your phone great instant upfront financing on all the vehicles that they have, it's the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Boulder Highway in Henderson, a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. When we come back, Mike Renner is going to join us. We'll talk to him from Pro Football Focus. And then Russell Baxter, the football guru, really good content provider. Really good talking about what the Raiders will need. And he'll address that coming up. So a good 30 minutes around the corner of NFL content as we get you ready for the draft. And the breaking news, the jurors have reached a verdict in the trial of ex-police officer Derek Chauvin. When that is announced, we'll tell you about that right here on Raider Nation Radio. Gets the snap, rolls to his left field to the Wisconsin 20. Takes the pass, field still with the ball. Fires into the end zone, caught by Hill for the touchdown. 14-yard pass to number 14, K.J. Hill. And Justin Fields rambled to his left and bought time to throw the scoring pass. 30-21, Ohio State. All right, there he is, the Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields. JT, back with you as we continue on on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Grimaldi's Best Pizza I Ever Had. Five locations in the Valley. Go pick up some Grimaldi's. The Brooklyn Bridge is my favorite pizza. You could get it for the draft coming up a week from Thursday. If you're throwing a draft party, go to Grimaldi's. They'll have the salads, the pizzas, the calzones. Do we still order calzones? Oh, the pepperoni calzone, second to none. All right, Mike Renner is available, and we got him from Pro Football Focus. He's their lead draft analyst, and we're thrilled to get him on. Mike, uh, thanks for joining us today, and let's begin with the quarterbacks. I want to start with Trey Lance. How big of a red flag is it? 
considering how great his pro day has been, but he hasn't had a lot of reps. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unprecedented is what it is. It's just you don't know really what you're getting because this guy is slinging it against FCS competition. Only 18 attempts a game his last year there that we saw him and only one year that we got to see him. So it, you just feel more comfortable with the guys you've seen more. You feel better about them translate to the NFL after having seen, you know, just having that experience under their belt. And so I think that's why everyone's kind of saying Lance is that wild card in this quarterback class, because I don't think anyone knows what they're truly getting when they draft them. Yeah. It's, it's incredible from what you're hearing from these pro days and what you've seen on film, what's the difference in your opinion from Trey Lance and Justin Fields? Cause they look athletically, identical to me size and strength and ability and the ability to run what what difference do you see i think there's a couple big ones one is that fields has just been more accurate with the football his ball placement and consistency with just his you know form as a passer is much better at this point in time uh, that guy's been bred to throw the football ever since you know he is a kid like that guy is a very natural thrower of the football uh, but i do think that trey lance is a more nimble in the way he maneuvers the pocket. I think one of Justin Fields' biggest negatives is that he gets heavy feet in the pocket. Despite being this, you know, freak athlete, he still can be heavy-footed, late to recognize pressure, and still kind of run into some sacks there, whereas Trey Lance is very escapable. is much more of a Deshaun Watson-esque athlete in his ability to kind of just subtly avoid uh, free rushers and pressure consistently on his tape. And so I think those are probably the two biggest differences between those guys mike renner is our guest pro football focus we had ryan leaf on and he was really high on davis mills out of stanford i mean a lot he liked him better than mac jones and he's talking about his upside and the way he handles pressure and an offense and the line of scrimmage what do you think of him out of stanford well he's another guy so that tweet you referenced trey lance had 319 attempts i believe davis mills is at 441 we've Mm -hmm. barely seen this guy i think 11 career starts for him has been injury plagued throughout his career, former five-star. But he does a lot of things that the NFL is going to like. He gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He had nowhere near the talent that Mac Jones had surrounding him. It was still very efficient with the football. doesn't take a lot of sacks. The accuracy issues, though, is the thing with me. You see some just waves on his tape and, and at all levels of the field. Uh, you can deal with a guy who's at, inaccurate a little bit way down the football field. That can be a hit and miss, but you see inactions on his tape throwing bubble screens, just simple, you know, dig routes and that sort of thing. So I think that puts him a clear tier below kind of the top guys in this class. But again, when you only see a guy for that little amount of time, it's just difficult to know exactly what you're getting and to necessarily feel great about your projection. There's a lot of, you know, you can just call it untapped potential, but just unknown with his profile and how he's going to play at the next level. Yeah, that's incredible to me how important the quarterback selections are going to be outside the top 10 after there's such a run on the quarterback. So your final number on this, or maybe you're waiting till next week, the five quarterbacks that everybody's talking about at the top, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones, do you have them all going in the top 15? They've gone by 15, I, all of them? I think so. I, okay. I, think you see, I think you see the top four go four, one, two, three, four, and that would be... Uh, Lawrence Wilson, Fields, and Lance. Uh, I think they go one, two, three, four, and then Mac Jones comes off the board somewhere else in the top 12 or so picks, whether it's 
you know, uh, the Patriots who want to make a move, the football team or the Bears, someone who's desperate and really just needs, you know, a guy to hold their hat on for the future. Uh, I think you see someone go up and make a move for that fifth one. Right. I'm amazed. Mike Renner is our guest. I'm amazed by the discussion now that's starting with Matt Ryan in Atlanta at 35 because Brady playing 43 into 44. How much do you think he has left for Atlanta to pass on a quarterback and go with Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase? What do you think happens at four? I mean, I think he's got at least three years left. And if he's Mm -hmm. got at least three years left, Picking a quarterback is not going to do you much good. You know, that guy, you just sure. zap that guy's rookie deal at that point to where you're basically, you know, you know, the holy grail in the NFL is that quarterback and the rookie deal, and you just cost yourself that opportunity. Now, you don't get a chance to draft one every year, but you kind of already have that guy, Matt Ryan. Like, you can win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan if you just drafted somewhat well. If you turn that fourth overall pick into some good players, all of a sudden you're Super Bowl contenders because that's the benefit that, you know, a top 10 quarterback affords you. You already got one, though. So I think I think they should really be in the market for a trade back because of that uh, and because of Matt Ryan's contract situation right now. Mike Renner joins us, Pro Football Focus. Uh, Mike, I'm not a big fan of Mike Brown in Cincinnati. And, again, he doesn't like to sign players and throw out a lot of money long term, but this is a big decision at five to get Penny Sewell to have the protection for Joe Burrow or have the super weapon of Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. I think it's a really big moment in the draft if Cincinnati goes offensive line or a playmaker. What do you have? Yeah, I don't think they can go wrong mm-hmm. with the decision with how good those guys are at their respective positions, but I ultimately think it's going to be Jamar Chase. I think with how much money they kind of paid out in free agency to the defensive side of the ball with obviously how Joe Burrow's rookie season ended. I think they're going to give massive input from Joe Burrow and what he wants with this pick. And when that's the case, I don't see how he can, his input would be anything other than draft Jamar Chase. Give me my guy back. Give me the number one receiver that I need to take this offense to the next level. So I think that's ultimately where they end up going. You think the Giants are interested in Micah Parsons with the love affair that they had with Carl Banks? He's not a Lawrence Taylor, but just to have that linebacker for five to ten years that can solidify the middle of the field because I'm out west here, as you know, with the Raiders in Vegas, and I thought he'd be perfect. Parsons, if he drops to 17, will he get past the Giants? Will he be around at 17 for the Raiders? The big thing with Parsons is the off-field issues, dating back to high school. Uh, and through Penn State, that uh, could drop him in the draft. Uh, so I, mm-hmm. I would honestly love him in the Giants scheme. Uh, I think his inside and outside versatility, his ability to rush the passer, would be absolutely perfect for them. But again, I think his is going to rely more on how comfortable do you feel making him you know, that high a selection if uh, there truly are off-field issues left to be vetted there. So I think he could fall ultimately fall to 17, and I think that's where a team uh, – like the Raiders could easily pull the trigger. Off-field issues are a big thing, Mike. I mean, that's a big deal. What are we talking about here? I know I know some of the issues and what happened at Penn State, a bar fight or other issues. If, if, if I look at this, are these really big flags or hasn't he been vetted now from Penn State and playing there and by all the scouts and all the GMs that have talked to him? Yeah, I mean, there's multi- it's more just like a pattern of – the fight there, the mm. uh, he was involved in the bullying scandal at Penn State. He was incited a riot at high at one of his high schools mm. and had to was forced to transfer high schools. So it's a lot of 
things kind of piling up to where uh, that just gets concerning when you're talking about the 11th overall pick. Mike, as we wrap this up, can you tell me who you believe are the best linebackers outside of Parsons when it comes to covering a tight end? That's a big part of this league now, something I always talk about. It's great when a linebacker can tackle in space, but he's got to be able to put his hands on a tight end in coverage. Who do you have? I think after him, Jeremiah Uskarmoa, I don't care who he's covering. That guy's the best coverage linebacker in this class. I mean, he is just versatile, so smooth, so explosive, and not particularly big, only 221 pounds, but he's long and very physical. So uh, I would feel very comfortable putting him on a tight end. Like he, can, he has that safety linebacker hybrid type of versatility that I think every team's looking for in the NFL today. And I think Zayvon Collins, the Tulsa linebacker, that's kind of his bread and butter. His tight ends, he's 260 pounds. He can get really physical uh, in coverage and had, a, I think, four picks this past season for Tulsa. So I do think either of those two guys, if that's what you want to do, uh, I think very capable. Wrapping it up with Mike Renner. Mike, are you in the camp of J.C. Horn, or do you believe Patrick Sertain II is clearly the best corner in the draft? I think it depends on the scheme you want to run. If, if you're really a man-heavy team, I think by all means go J.C. Horn. Like that, that is, He is the best press man corner in this draft class. That's what he does. If you're going to be a little more versatile, going to do, you know, not necessarily do that 90 percent of the time or so i think pressure tan's the safer bet i'm not sure he's i don't think he's jalen ramsey you know i don't think he's that level he doesn't play like that physically or athletically and the explosiveness isn't quite to that level but man he's about as technically sound as it gets for a college cornerback we mentioned penny sewell who's better rashawn slater or christian darishaw on your board i think rashawn slater i think Mm. the sort of safety that you're getting with how well he played in 2019 and just how the sort of track record of guys with his agility and feet at the tackle position because you know 95 percent of playing tackle in the nfl is just getting yourself in the right spot it's just being able to being able to mirror a guy who runs a 4-4 across from you and i think that's that's what slater can do and yeah you might not be getting physical tools of a Penny Sewell. You might not be getting a guy that can move the line of scrimmage like Sewell can, but you're going to be getting an ultra-consistent tackle or guard or center or wherever the heck you want to play that guy. Mike, last one. Team most likely to trade up in the draft. I've been saying Belichick, but that's not typically his style. Do you see a team or sensing with your sources a team that's going to want to get up midway or back of the first round and get into this? Back of the first round, I think sneakily – the Green Bay Packers are going to mm-hmm. get in on this cornerback class. Okay. Um, obviously, we saw what happened with their cornerback class sure. in the playoffs with Kevin King. And they have actually, you know, the MO for years was that they were a trade-down team. Last three years, they've traded up for the first-round pick. So I, I do think the Green Bay Packers will be another team that have their eyes on a guy, and especially in this cornerback class, there's about four guys that you want. If one starts to slip down to the 18, early 20 range, I think they could pull the trigger. I printed out the final PFF draft board. It's incredible. The top 300 on their big board, and I'm retweeting it. Everybody take a look at it. It's fantastic. It's in-depth. It's the best I've seen heading into the draft a week from Thursday. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All the best. Great work. For sure, JT. Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Mike Renner, fantastic insight there. As he has some differing picks there, too. As everybody is now chiming in and we don't take a break, we go to one of the best content providers 
I know NFL research and historian with fan-sided NFL profootballguru.com. Our good friend Russell Baxter joins us a little more than a week out from the draft. Russell, good to talk to you again. How you been? How's the offseason treating you? Oh, well, we're just streaming along here and so on. You know, everybody, I'm not in really the mock draft business, but more the needs business and, uh, you know, what what the teams have done in the offseason in terms of veteran free agents and and so on. And there's a lot of intriguing teams out there. And, uh, you know, we, we saw all the shuffling that went around in the top 12 picks a few weeks ago with Miami and Philadelphia and San Francisco. You, you almost sense that somebody's kind of laying in wait here um, to maybe make another big move up into the top 10 and who, who knows, or even somebody who's in the top 10 wants to move up further. Um, but, uh, you know, quarterback heavy in the first round and the draft where you don't hear JT a lot of talk about defensive linemen. It's just it, there hasn't been a lot of that so far. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the run on quarterbacks, Russell, as we've been talking about, and that's what I want to have you on because you get it. It's more about team needs than who's going to be there. If you have a pick midway through the first round and you don't have a first-round pick, it's a second-round pick, the player's not going to be there, so you have to go with needs. And I want to start with the Patriots because I'm intrigued by this. What happens with Belichick, who rebuilt his entire roster in the offseason and still with the 15th pick overall, probably not close enough to go out there and get a pick at a quarterback's position? Where do you see them? What do you think happens with the Patriots? Do you sense that they might trade up into the top 10? Well, it depends on what they would have to give up and, and what that means in terms of the top ten. What, could they go up to four to Atlanta? Uh, could they go up to ten uh, where Dallas is? Uh, Denver is a team you got to keep an eye on, I think, as far as moving up because uh, you know even though they have a general manager now and John Elway's not serving as the general manager, uh, you know, quarterback has been in – even the year they won the Super Bowl in 2015, I'll have to remind you – Peyton Manning was not himself. Brock Osweiler certainly wasn't the answer. They committed a lot of turnovers that year, and they really rode the defense. They haven't had good full quarterback play in quite a few years. Um, you know, Belichick and the Patriots did a lot in terms of the offseason, spending money, and I think they surrounded Cam Newton. And I and I like the fact that they're bringing him back for a second year uh, because of all the circumstances last year. I mean, that tight end combination, John Smith and Hunter Henry is really going to be something to say. But I don't know if they necessarily move in draft. I'll tell you what I think the Patriots really need. And it's less about the quarterback of the future and more about, listen, Tom Brady was a six-round draft choice, six-round draft choice in 2000. He wound up as the starter when Drew Bledsoe got hurt. But do you remember who their first-round pick was in 2001? He was a top-ten selection, and he's a guy who wound up with a team you're pretty familiar with, uh, and a guy who was pivotal, their defense, their versatility on the defensive line, that would be Richard Seymour. Richard Seymour, And if yeah. you have seen the Patriots play run defense for the last year and a half, you can understand why they have a, a big need there. Now, they, they brought on Gavin Godchalk from the Miami Dolphins, who I think is a very underrated player, but he was hurt most of last year. Um, if they're going to springboard into a new era, you know, defense is still Bill Belichick's calling card. And, uh, Russell, again, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I got you on that. It is his calling card. I want to stay with yeah, the AFC. No. Russell Baxter joins us. You wrote a really good column on the five breakout stars to watch for Cleveland. 
I'm looking at Cleveland in their first-round pick, which is late. They're a playoff team. This team now seems loaded to me. And we've been saying this since Baker Mayfield came in and proven, proved that he's a franchise quarterback, and they don't have to worry about that position. And what they have with Clowney now and Miles Garrett, the strength of their secondary and that offensive line, Cleveland is a team now, if they get a great starter in the first round, they're going to be dangerous. What do you see? Well, listen, if you look at what their issues were last season. And I find, and listen, they just cut Sheldon Richardson loose and – you never rule out a guy being brought back. We saw that with the Seahawks with Carlos Dunlap. We see that all the time. And so a guy comes back at a, a cheaper rate. Okay. But did you notice, JT, when you look at the free agency additions of the Cleveland Browns, there are none on offense. They might have re-signed one of their own, but they haven't brought in any offensive players whatsoever. I should tell you about the confidence that they have with that side of the ball. They're very balanced. Uh, Mayfield's cut back on a lot of his mistakes and so on. They've got that one-two punch with with the with Chubb and Hunt, and so their offensive line has really come along. But defensively, you know, they brought in John Johnson, the third from the Rams, which was an excellent pick. Anthony Walker, very productive linebacker, and so on. So everything was geared toward the defense, um, and I think that's probably where they're looking at in the first round as well. Okay, I mean, listen, we saw. Here's the thing to keep in mind about the Browns. Okay, they were 11 and five last year. Their best record since they came into the league, you know, expansion-wise back in 1999. They're in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. They won a playoff game for the first time since 1994. But when you have an 11-5 record, usually you score more points than you give up. And that was not the case with the Browns last year. Russell Baxter joins us. Where I am in Vegas, Gruden and Mayock getting some heat for these last couple of drafts, maybe players that they took high still young and under control when it comes to their salaries, but they need to break out. Raiders are at 17. Micah Parsons could be available at middle linebacker or that need with losing Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, and Trent Brown. Do you sense their biggest need is right tackle? What's mystifying about what what the Raiders have done is they had a pretty solid offensive line. Okay, they went out and they, they spent big money on Trent Brown when they took him from the Patriots in 2019. They looked like, JT, they were trying to rebuild the defensive line with youth. Okay, when they, you know, they invested like Cleveland Farrell, you mentioned Hurst, Arden Key, all these guys. And now, for some odd reason, the, uh, the Raiders want to remake themselves in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Okay? Um, and continuity on that offensive front is very, very important. Now, you know, they, you know, Trent Brown was a trade. They cut Rodney Hudson. They cut Gabe Jackson. Then they managed to pull them back and, you know, get picks for them mm-hmm. and so on. Um, but defense has been their issue seemingly forever, um, especially late in the season where they have melted down, you know, squandered a 6-3 and three start, squandered a 6-4 and four start these last two years and so on. So um, I think anybody helps someone defense, uh, you know, they, they've got some pass rush poten- potential. Um, but, you know, they have Gus Bradley there now who hopefully gets them set into a 4-3 that they're really, really comfortable with. Um, but, you know, I, you and I have talked about this before. The last time they made the playoffs, they had the defensive player of the year in Khalil Mack, and they still feel finished closer to the bottom of the league in defense than they did the top. 
Russell Baxter is our guest. I noticed he retweeted the workout bonuses of certain teams along the way. What do you think is going to be the big picture effect on these players missing voluntary OTAs in the beginning, which from what I've read is mostly weight training and all of that and being on Zoom calls. Is it a big deal, a a non-big deal, just big for the young players who aren't reporting? How do you sense this? You've been doing this and covering this sport a long time. Well, I think we're in the midst of a makeover when it comes Mm -hmm. to getting ready for a National Football League season. And obviously we're in the midst of a makeover when it comes to how many games we're going to play now. A 17-game regular season down to three preseason games. So I think this is a little bit of a transition. Um, you know, COVID this, this past year opened a lot of doors in terms of possibilities, JT, as far as how you get ready for a season. And, and you know, think about this. We didn't have preseason games last year. Uh, you know, limited offseason. You know, this year we don't have a combine, by the way, okay, b- before the draft, okay? And yet – Scoring points last year was no problem. Now, was that because the offenses were efficient or the defenses were just awful? I mean, you know, three teams gave up some of the biggest yardage totals for a season in NFL history, Houston, Jacksonville, and obviously Detroit, which was abysmal. But Detroit gave up the second most points in the season in NFL history. Okay, by the way, they've also given up the third most points in the season in NFL history, but we digress. So, um, yeah, I think... To me, I've always kind of wanted to see the 18-game season and the two preseason games and a makeover of how you get ready for the season. The OTAs and, and all that stuff changed how we got ready for a football season. You know, the, the rules would limit the contact because of the, uh, you know, the collective bargaining agreement and so on. So I think there's more is a, there's going to eventually be a happy medium here. Uh, I'm guessing the league isn't thrilled with, you know, there's almost like a, a protesting these uh, voluntary mm. workouts. But remember, they're voluntary workouts, and you know, I think the players are players are pretty know the score in terms of staying in shape and what they have to do. And, and the bottom line is, if you're not ready to play, you're not going to play, and you're going to be out of a job. So um, there's almost like a, as you can tell, it's kind of almost like a unified front when it comes yeah. to this. I agree. Russell Baxter, the football guru, a must-follow. On Twitter, a great content provider. Finally, you know, we're going to get a chance. We'll be back for Tom Flores and Charles Woodson, the Hall of Fame, as they do it over two days. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Canton later this summer, but Cleveland's going to host the draft a week from Thursday. I think this is a very important moment in the NFL after the succession Nashville the cancellation of the draft in Vegas, now Cleveland with limited numbers trying to pull this off. This will be the first time Roger Goodell is back on stage announcing these picks. I think it's a big PR moment for the NFL to tell the country we're back, we're open for business, and the NFL looks to be at full capacity. Do you agree? Yes, I do. And um, the appetite for the National Football League, I mean, you know, we, we could spend hours talking about it. Here's what stands out to me last year. We didn't have, you know, Vegas last year. And correct me if I'm wrong, the three-day viewership of the NFL was 55 million people. Yes. I mean, that's that now, now they're actually going to, we're going to see people. So it just shows, I mean, I, I think I've told you this before. I write a lot of football, as you know. Um, I write year-round. I get more people that read during the off season. Than they do in during the regular season. 
that's how curious and insatiable the appetite is for this game. Thank you, Russell. I'm reading all the time. That's all we have you on every few weeks. You're a great content provider. Look forward to talking to you as we recap the draft in a couple of weeks. Thanks again. Hey, I look forward to seeing you in Canton. I mean, you know, I already got my hotel book, sir. I'm booked, too. There you go. All right. Uh, thank you, Russell. There he is, Russell Baxter. He's a, he's a mainstay, mainstay in the press box at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mainstay. And he's got a lot of friends. He was the head of research for ESPN with football, and he writes. And as he said, you know, that makes sense. A lot of people want content for the NFL in the offseason because during the season, you're just too busy with your team. So your team plays on Sunday, Thursday, Monday night. You turn around, you get your life back, you go to work. Then you turn it around, you read a couple articles, and you're back to more football. In the offseason, we're all craving for content, and that's why we're thrilled to have this opportunity here at Raider Nation Radio so we can talk about the Raiders most of the year. You know, my goal was to come here and base the show on the Raiders, but also get to the point when there wasn't Raider content or over-the-top content on every day. We cover the Golden Knights. We cover national news. We cover LeBron James. I am a sports talk host on top of being a Raider host. And we try to mix and match all that here together so you have the content with Sports Talk Radio a couple hours every day that you're accustomed to. The jury's the juror has reached a verdict in the murder trial of ex-police officer Derek Chauvin. The verdict is going to be read any minute. And that could have a huge effect tonight, not only with the country and what's going to happen on the streets, but also how it affects the NBA. There's been plenty of NBA players who have said, and they have alluded to the fact that if the verdict is not what they expect, it could affect the schedule tonight. No comment. I mean, this is a serious moment in the history of this country. It's one of many, many thousands of trials, trials that we have every day and verdicts every day in this country But going back to George Floyd and what happened last summer, this is a big deal where a lot of professional athletes have voiced their opinion on this particular case, and it will have an effect tonight in some capacity. Maybe it'll come down here over the next few minutes as we wrap up the show, and we continue on, and we want to thank everybody who listens to the show, and especially our good friends who love everything we're doing at Remy Martin. Have you been to the new bar? the Remy Martin Bar, and our friends Modelo. How about that? You walk into the Raiders Tavern and Grill, and you walk in, you see the Modelo Bar on the right and Remy Martin on the left. Man, that's two good things. We got a couple of big announcements to make coming up with the M Resort, and we'll tell you about that next week. Kicks off the glass. Marcheseau near boards. Couldn't clear the zone. Still alive. Meyer is in. He shoots. Glove save! Leonard, who was sliding to his right, reached back to his left. Brilliant glove save on Timo Meyer. And the game remains 2-2. It's Dan Duva on the call. Golden Knights Radio. What a save by Leonard. And the Golden Knights come back. As we take a look at some of the highlights to become the soundbite of the game. Bobby, who runs this show, runs the broadcast for the Vegas Golden Knights, and it's been exciting as they've been on this win streak. They've been incredible. Uh, they got to the shootout in overtime, and Alex Tuck is a hell of a goal scorer. When he picks a spot, he buries it. Bottom of the first round, here's Alex Tuck. The righty starts slowly left, top of the left circle to the hash marks. 
Forehand, backhand, forehand, and he scores! Uh, that was it. That turned out to be the game winner as Robin Leonard stopped all three attempts in the shootout so VGK could get the win. Couture down the middle. The lefty fake shoots. Save Leonard! Vegas wins it in a shootout. Three to two. The Knights top the Sharks. A Golden Knights radio on the call. So that was a fabulous game. Fabulous game for Vegas on an historic night with Patrick Marlowe. Ends up breaking Gordie Howe's record for the most games ever played in the history of hockey, and it happened in Vegas. If you would have told someone that 10 years ago, they would have said, what are you smoking? What are you smoking on 420? And the big story this week is the Super League that was supposed to be announced, and it looks like it's falling apart. Manchester City has decided to exit the Super League and Chelsea soon to follow. So the goal which was a couple of elite teams to leave the Champions League and open up a new Super League in European soccer is starting to break already. There's a lot of pushback, a lot of pushback at this point in time, and now we're seeing a situation where it looks like it could cave by the end of the week, and they should have thought this out well ahead, well ahead of uh, schedule. And as we're waiting for the jurors' verdict, uh, as it's been reached in the murder trial of ex-police officer Derek Chauvin, the Verdict will be read here any minute, so stick around. I'm sure you'll be able to catch it on any of your social media or radio stations you're listening to after this show. The other breaking news story today is Vanessa Bryant, Kobe's widow, says the Kobe Bryant estate has elected not to renew their partnership with Nike after the passing of the great Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kobe Bryant's five-year post-retirement endorsement extension with Nike has expired. It will later this month. Vanessa and the Kobe Bryant estate elected not to renew the partnership. She confirmed that earlier today. Quote, Kobe's Nike contract expired on 4-13-21. She said Kobe and Nike have made some of the most beautiful basketball shoes of all time, worn and adored by fans and athletes in all sports across the globe. It seems fitting that more NBA players wear my husband's product than any other signature shoe. And according to a source, uh, Kobe Bryant's estate has grown frustrated with Nike limiting the availability of Kobe products during his retirement and after his death in the helicopter crash. There was also frustration with the lack of availability of Kobe's footwear in kid sizes, according to sources. Uh, Zion Williamson and Nike uh, released their first shoe today, which is going to break the internet. Every kid's going to want that. Probably one of mine. Just put it, on the, put it on my bill, as I like to say. Great show today, Bobby. Way to go. Thanks to Russell Baxter, who joined us. Mike Renner, who checked in, who was fantastic. And Ryan Leaf. Uh, tomorrow, Lincoln Kennedy joins me. Also, Orlando Alzelgari, a great Miami host on the Dolphins. And how the Dolphins, who have two of the highest picks, can affect the draft. And more Raider coverage as we continue. Vinny Bonsignor will join me on Thursday. And we're rolling, getting you ready for the Raider draft a week from Thursday. Thanks for listening to the show. Have a great night, everybody. Check me out on Sirius XM 82 at 7 p.m. Have a good night, everybody. All right, take care.